Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static. This is John Vecchione, and I'm here with Mark Chenoweth, and we are joined by our colleague Casey Norman to discuss um, an interesting case NCLA has uh, once again uh, against the government for interfering with social media and um, trying to silence certain views. And uh, welcome to the program, Casey. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. And um, you've discussed this case before, but could you give our listeners a thumbnail sketch of what the Dressen versus Flaherty case is about? Sure. Um, So we represent six individuals, most of whom were very, very seriously harmed after taking the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, The sixth uh, plaintiff, Ernest Ramirez, he actually himself was not harmed after taking it, but his um, 16-year-old son, five days after taking the vaccine, died of what they later determined to be myocarditis. And I just emphasize here that this case is not about the science of the vaccine or, or vaccine injuries um, themselves, but it's about the speech related to that. All six of our plaintiffs tried to talk about what had happened to them, um, seek medical advice, sources of hope, um, because this is during the lockdown, the pandemic, when they were injured. In, on in social ways. media. Yeah, on social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, um, just you know the whole gamut of social media platforms. And in each of their instances, they were censored, their posts were flagged as misinformation, Um, even private groups where they were seeking support just among vaccine injured individuals, those posts were censored, they were flagged as misinformation, they were, the whole groups were shut down. So that's what we're dealing with in this case. All right. So of course, when they got the complaint, the government uh, answered and said, now we'll do discovery and move forward on the case? Of course. It's a very straightforward case. The government is very compliant, as always. <laughs> what did or, they really or, do? Or not. Or not. <laughs> what, yeah. what did they really do? No, so we we filed our complaint at the end of May of this year, um, and the government has not yet responded. And I, I'll also add that we're not just suing um, government defendants. We're also suing three Stanford-related um, private non-governmental defendants, but none of them have yet replied to our complaint. And um, about two. And, and these are defendants who received government money in order to work on this same censorship project. Right. Well, they there's a program at Stanford that's called the Stanford Internet Observatory, and there they have been working to help censor you know certain types of information like vaccine injured related information on the social media platforms, and they they are helping the government do this and kind of coordinating with them. So that's why we've included them because they specifically targeted some of our plaintiffs, including Brianne Dressen. Um, so that that's why they're included in this as well. But they have not replied to our complaint either. So instead of replying to it, um, about a, two weeks ago, they filed a motion to stay our case entirely, which means basically to halt our case. And this is pending resolution of a preliminary injunction issued in a totally different case, which probably many of the listeners know about already. It's called Missouri v. Biden. What? <laughs> yeah, you've never heard of this. <laughs> it's, it's a big case, John. You should look into it, John. <laughs> In any event, so the Missouri Biden case, I'll just uh, inform the, the viewers, that is also an NCLA case, but it is again, well, I'll have Casey discuss it, but as, as you may, I'll just give a quick synopsis. That's the case where on July 4th, uh, a judge out of, uh, Judge Dowdy out of uh, Louisiana 
had an injunction against the government from censoring private views on social media. The government then uh, moved for an emergency uh, uh, stay of that of that decision, and it's before the Fifth Circuit. And we've talked about arguing before the Fifth Circuit on that case. Um, and uh, we represent four uh, private plaintiffs there, but they're not these plaintiffs. So what what does this case? What did the government's? Why the government's already? Uh, asked for an administrative stay in Missouri v. Biden. What are they trying to do, and what did they say in their motion to stay in your case, in Dresden? So in a nutshell, they're arguing that our case is substantively identical to Missouri v. Biden, and they're saying that we should wait until this preliminary injunction on the order that was, was issued in Missouri v. Biden. Um, and I guess we should explain a bit about what that order does, but it, it temporarily is telling the government defendants and you know agencies officials in Missouri v. Biden that they have to stop the censorship activity, whether it's coercing or influencing or pressuring the social media platforms to censor or whatever other role they've been you know accused of doing. Um, so they're saying that if that order is upheld by the Fifth Circuit and resolved to be fine, we'll let it proceed, then we're going to be receiving that. We're asking for that same relief in our case. So therefore, it's fine. We don't have to continue with our case because that's exactly what we're asking for. Um, but the, I mean, there are many issues with this. One being that a preliminary now, injunction- wait a, wait a minute. Now, I just want to, I want to ask a question about that. So um, have they admitted that if, uh, if the injunction in Missouri v. Biden stands that uh, it will solve. It, it, they'll abide by it, and will solve all these people's problems. So they they claim that we are asking for the same relief as what this preliminary injunction order um, is is going to do there, and that's that's essentially their argument. And they're saying that the the claims that we make on the First Amendment are the same as those in Missouri v. Biden, basically the same case, and this order is going to solve our all of our problems. So we can just wait it out and see what happens. Um, and so we, we filed a reply to that, uh, you know, pointing out all of the issues with their arguments about a week ago. And so Not like the fact that the defendants aren't the same uh, in, <laughs> right. the, in the two matters. That little tidbit. So, <laughs> so, well, let's let's get into that a little bit. I don't recall in Missouri v. Biden that there's anything about vaccine injuries. Right. Um, there's some vaccine misinformation, COVID-19, but there's nothing about the vaccine injured. And um, there's nothing about, for instance, uh, don't think we've said anything about these groups. I know, I know something like this may have happened to one of our folks, but I don't recall saying um, these private these private social media pods. I'll call them because I don't know. I'm not very savvy <laughs> on this stuff, but it's it, just for, for so that everyone understands this. It's like a Facebook these, group. Yeah. Or something so these like are that. groups that nobody outside it can see. You've got to be invited in. Right? right. So it's like a small private group of people. And they, these are the people being censored and these are the things being shut down. Um, so uh, and, and so who so you've sued these independent parties that you talked about who had had basically contracts to go censor. Um, and it, is the government representing them too? I assume no, they have their own counsel. They, yeah, they have their own counsel. Okay. But they've, but they've joined for purposes of filing this right. request for a stay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, and so who have you sued? So aside from the private Stanford parties, we've sued 15 federal um, government agencies and officials. That includes uh, President Biden, Rob Flaherty, 
uh, HHS. Um, I probably shouldn't go into all of them right. because that would take up. No, 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 budget. obviously, obviously. Well, but so <laughs> those parties, have they been sued in Missouri v. Biden? They, yes, all the federal government defendants in our case, and that's 15 in total, are also in Missouri v. Biden. But as we point out in our response, um, again, kind of emphasizing the differences in scope, um, and also there are very different issues raised in each case, but there's almost 70 government defendants in Missouri v. Biden. It's just the scope is completely different. We're very narrow, targeted lawsuit in Dresden v. Flaherty, where we are exclusively concerned about the First Amendment rights of the vaccine injured community and their and their family members. Um, and the government makes the argument that if we wait out this preliminary injunction in Missouri v. Biden, it's going to help narrow the issues in our case, simplify the legal questions, which makes no sense. If you look at you know, our case is already narrow and, and very targeted. I can't imagine what is going to be simplified in waiting out a resolution like this in Missouri v. Biden. So what else? What else did you? I, I was just going to ask. So I think you said something very important there, which is that the Missouri v. Biden posture is a preliminary injunction. The Dressen v. Flaherty posture is not preliminary injunction posture, right? Right. So the things that you have to show are different in Missouri v. Biden because you have to show that there's irreparable harm, for example. And the court could say, well, you haven't shown irreparable harm and not even reach the merits of the questions that are here. Right. And so the government wants you just to have to wait it out because it might be convenient for them if it happens that Missouri v. Biden happens to get decided on something that happens to affect Dressen v. Flaherty. That seems awfully speculative to me. Exactly. Yeah, we raised that point as well. And also, I mean, a preliminary injunction, again, it's temporary relief really just to maintain the status quo until you can make it to a trial or summary judgment where the judge actually does rule on the merits of the claims. Um, so this preliminary injunction, it's not even resolving the legal questions in Missouri v. Biden, let alone our case, where, like you said, we're not even seeking a prelimi preliminary injunction. It's, I don't, it is very attenuated and speculative. And the case law, I mean, it's these these stays of an entire proceeding. It's not a common thing. These, it's supposed to be only under rare circumstances are these these kinds of things granted. Um, and you, the defendants are supposed to show a genuine need for it. And I, <laughs> I don't see it here. They, they have a genuine need to keep shutting down these groups. That's right. that's essentially <laughs> their claim, right? It's essentially they're saying that it's really important for the government to be able to continue to shut down groups that are support groups for vaccine injured people who are trying to get emotional support from one another really important for the government to keep those people from talking to each other on social media right and it's really funny that's disgusting you... i mean i can just if i can just be outraged for a minute uh yeah. I, I just the idea that the government has any interest at all to shut people down from seeking emotional support for their injuries i find to be absolutely disgusting and i think all of the people who are responsible for this uh, should should really uh, get a life. I mean, th this is this is none of the government's business, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, it's it's funny when you when you think about before the discovery came out, in Missouri v. Biden, the government claimed that they weren't even doing this. This is not. They weren't. They were maybe making casual. They, they were lying. They were lying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now they're claiming that they have to do this because it's very important to shut down this dangerous private speech among injured individuals. But we've we've learned otherwise. <laughs> and the other thing I guess that's here is is that you you filed a complaint, they don't want to answer, um, and so the issue isn't even joined. So what they're doing is delaying the period where you would then start the case, right? Um, with this stay, so uh, it is not a huge burden on the government to answer complaints. They do it all the time. So well, I don't know about that. 
<laughs> it seems like they never answer complaints, but I take your point. All right. We'll be back in one more moment um, after, after these messages. We're talking to Casey Norman, uh, litigation counsel at NCLA about Dressen v. Flaherty. Back after this. Static. We're here talking to Casey Norman of NCLA on Dressen v. Flaherty, and we were talking a little bit about our response to the government's um, argument that there should be a stay in the Dressen case while Missouri v. Biden goes forward. And uh, we mentioned that you know ir irreparable harm for one group of plaintiffs might be different from the other group of plaintiffs in in, um, in Dressen, but I think some of the other I think if you go through all these factors, they're different in Dresden than they are in Missouri v. Biden. And the, the first of the uh, preliminary injunction standards that I recall is likelihood of success on the merits, right? right. And um, here you you have a, a, a targeted small group, right? Right. Um, and so I think that the the and you have and you have the the fact that they are only talking to each other. Right. So it's a totally different than uh, Missouri v. Biden, where everyone's talking to the whole world. Right. You and wouldn't the, you wouldn't imagine that they have any interest at all in stopping sort of false speech or something like that. Right. It does. If I go to my poker game and I lie <laughs> like a maniac, I mean, I don't think the government. Then you're a good poker player. I, I, I don't think. I don't, so so I think the likelihood of success on the merits is different. Um, but also the balance of harms is the next thing. Because if the government is correct, I don't think the government's correct, but, but if it was correct, there's a whole different thing from everybody in the world talking on the internet to six people talking to each other right. and their friends. Um, and, and so however you look at the harms from either side, they, they can't be doing much damage and the government can't be solving a lot of problems by stopping it either way. And I mean, just remember, of course, you don't even have to make that showing at all when you're outside of the preliminary injunction context, all, right. all you would have to show is that the government violated the law, period. End of story. You don't have to show balance of harms. You don't have to show public interest. You don't have to show any of that. And so they're, they're hoping to delay this case. And maybe we'll get to why they're, they're trying to delay this case on these preliminary injunction factors that have nothing to do with a case that isn't in preliminary injunction posture. And I think the last part is the standard review. The standard for a preliminary injunction is clear and convincing evidence. Um, whereas for just winning the case, it's just um, preponderance of the evidence, right? So, so the standards are different. Well, it's likelihood of success on the merits, like, so it's not necessarily clear and convincing. It depends on the jurisdiction, but it's sometimes there's a sliding scale based That's, on the. I other guess factors I, that is that is true. Like that. I have to say because it's inequity, they do that sometimes. Sometimes they say if this one factor is really really good, the mm -hmm. other factors can be weak. But still, it's not the same as just a regular case. Yeah. So. Um, so uh, 
what is the uh, you just asked something oh, why why is the government yeah trying so to why do you think the this? government is trying to delay this i i mean i can't be certain i i assume they don't want to fight this battle on two fronts at the same time i mean they're already dealing with missouri v biden and rfk jr just joined that <laughs> he had a separate lawsuit and he just joined missouri v biden so now it's an extra large case for them to handle. And now we have this case that's just starting up. Um, and I, I think they would prefer not to have to spread thin their resources. Um, but I mean, that's not a justification. That's not a rare circumstance as is required <laughs> to stay a proceeding like this entirely. And what did they say? They filed a reply. What was their reply all about? Yeah. So they said basically. Did, did they say we can't walk and chew gum at the same time? So yes. please stay this. Was that what they said? <laughs> yes. It was a very short response. Um, <laughs> right to the point. But no, they, they basically said that the differences that we pointed out between the two cases are just immaterial, irrelevant. The fact of the matter is that we we also say that the government agencies and officials coerced and pressured these platforms to censor, which is what the Missouri v. Biden plaintiffs claim. And because those First Amendment claims are the same, therefore the cases are identical. And it doesn't really matter if we stay this case because they're going to get we're going to get the same relief if this preliminary injunction is granted, which is just that. That argument doesn't fly. I mean, in the in the case law, it, does, it doesn't hold up. So I'm hoping that the judge will see that and rule soon. I do. Well, if you think about this in the product liability sense, okay? So if you have a class action in California and you're asking for um, them to stop making this product and for money and all this stuff, and then there's a class action in New Jersey and they're asking you to stop making this product and money for these people, would any court in the land, grant to stay in the one while the other is going on? No. Can't imagine that they would. I mean, occasionally you'll see in the product liability context that they'll have certain sort of, uh, what's what's the, the term for it, John? The, the, These sort of they have, uh, they test have, cases. That's or, right. That's what it is. Yeah. So they have they have the, uh, they call them test cases. But, but the fact of the matter is each side picks one. And sometimes they do it that way, but they never stay the whole proceeding. They, they'll ask for an MDL maybe so that they, but, but. Um, but sometimes there's no jurisdiction. So you have the same type of cases going on everywhere against defendants who have far less resources than the federal government does. And right. justice delayed is justice denied. So what they're asking for with a stay is to delay the doing of justice in this case. Right. And I mean, they say that we will not be prejudiced. The plaintiffs won't be prejudiced by this because the preliminary injunction, like I discussed before, they claim that it will give us the relief that we're seeking. But first of all, the, the preliminary injunction that they already got administratively stayed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's not it's not active right it's not, now. It's, it's not in effect. It's stayed until there actually is a resolution. And we don't know when that's going to be. I mean, first, we don't know when the Fifth Circuit is going to rule on this. And then there could be subsequent appellate proceedings up to the, maybe en banc, up to the Supreme Court. Who knows? And I'll be surprised if they don't appeal it yeah. to the Supreme Court, in fact, given how much they've been crying about the, the the grant of the preliminary injunction well it's not it's not even speculative they said that at oral argument okay. right they said we want 10 more days of administrative stay while the solicitor general decides whether to take it up i mean they right. said that so it's not it's not us just going it, it, it's on their radar yeah, that- <laughs> yeah exactly they've said it yeah. So um, where does this stand? So they've they've said that uh, it is this. They basically come back in their reply and say it is the same case, and these people will be, everything will be redressed. So why go ahead and answer the complaint? Um, so what happens next? Where so now is it they're going to be oral argument? So it's we have a, a lot of complicating factors. We keep having dates switched around, but right now, currently, the government's response to our complaint is due tomorrow. 
Oh, you know what? Actually, today is Thursday. It's due today. <laughs> in fact, and they, the government just filed their reply For yesterday. For those listening in Colorado on Saturday. Yes, exactly. This was, in fact, recorded Pre on Thursday. Pre-recorded. Yes, it's Thursday. So that means that their complaint or their response to our complaint is due today. And they just filed their reply to regarding the motion to stay last night. And in that reply, they asked the court to excuse them from replying to our complaint so they're they're basically forcing the court to rule on this within you know 12 24 hours of <laughs> saying Cor we're... courts love it when you do that. yeah i yeah. didn't i didn't fully grasp that <laughs> yeah that is uh yeah so they filed it and this and... is something a private party would no. not have the guts to do uh, of right? course not only would you not have the guts but there could be you know if you don't file a response to complaint timely you waive your affirmative defenses at the at the minimum, right? Hmm. But what do we know about the government? You can't default the government. So this is But the government could waive an affirmative defense, couldn't they? No. 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 The courts okay. have never allowed. They say the sovereign can't do that. And <sighs> pity. I know. So the fact is there's really um they you know, they get a scolding. And so <laughs> so I think that I think that, that is it just shows why they are so insouciant about the rules that everyone else has to follow. And it and I think it's another good example of that. We talk about it all the time yeah, on this ma program. magic deadlines. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. So um yeah, all right. So they they've they've certainly waited uh long enough and they've put it in the judge's hands for um I guess we'll know very shortly uh whether they have to respond or not, um or or I have a very strong feeling the court is not going to come out with an order today. Um, so I, I think the, uh, the time will pass. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can wave. I just haven't seen it. But uh, maybe it's just prudential that they don't do it. Well, so if the court doesn't uh, issue an order, then do you think that they go ahead and respond? Or do you think they just, no. they just nope. sit on their laurels knowing they that it's not going to... Our response was the motion to stay is what yeah. they will say. And they... That's not a responsive pleading for anyone else, but it's apparently a responsive pleading for the federal government. And um, so uh, I think the uh, last, so where would, so if this stay motion is denied, what happens next and where does the case go? So if it is denied, then we just have to wait and see what happens with the preliminary injunction um, that's currently, I, it was argued on August 10th in the Fifth Circuit. So we don't know when they're going to decide it. But like, like I said, it might be appealed up to no, you. No. But I mean, if if this, if the government's stay motion in Dresden is denied, what, hap oh, oh, yeah, what that, happens next? So that means presumably they're going to file an answer to our complaint, as I said, due today. But maybe they're going to delay and, and do that later. But I mean, it, soon they're going to reply. The Stanford defendants um, deadline is not until a month from now. But we're going to at least have the government shortly. And then we're going to have to answer that and start getting this case going. Okay. And, and look, maybe the reason the government's doing this is they don't want to give a preview for what their responses would be in Missouri v. Biden. But I would think that they've case answered. is so much further down the road. They've answered. Yeah. yeah, not only that, we had an, we've had three amendments, I think. So they've they've answered three times. And I keep thinking. That can't be it then. And they say that this case is identical to Missouri v. Biden. And like you just said, they, they've already resolved the motion to dismiss in Missouri v. Biden. And the government's motion was denied. So if these are identical cases and that motion to dismiss was already denied in that identical case. Can't we just skip that stage in our case too? And, I mean, <laughs> they should, you should suggest that to the judge. Yeah. <laughs> I will when I give an opportunity. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. That is true. 
they'll then they'll switch positions and say that <laughs> you think? this is completely <laughs> different, Your Honor. Yeah, and be that, more different. It yeah. couldn't be more. Well, actually, <laughs> but if they lose the stay, they can say, "Hey, look, we're not bound by our previous argument, yeah. right?" So there's another thing. That. That's a thing in the law that if you if you make an argument and you lose, you can make the opposite argument. <laughs> but um, any in in any event. Um, so we'll so a, a lot's going on right now, and we'll figure out whether or not the, the government has to answer, and we can move forward with this case. Um, do you do you have any final thoughts on the uh, on the case and and how how it get going after the answer? I mean, I I'm very optimistic. I think that this all shows that the government kind of fears having to proceed with this case. Um, they're nervous, and we're ready to take them on whenever we have the chance. Well, you've been doing great work on this case, and really. Uh... I commend you uh, for, for leading this effort. Thank you. All right. So we'll be back in a moment. Thanks for being with us, Casey. 